One day at three o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the gate named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. He looked up expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple gate beautiful and rubbed their eyes astonished, scarcely believing what they were seeing. The man threw his arms around Peter and John, ecstatic. All the people ran up to where they were at Solomon's porch to see for themselves. Today, we're talking about power. We all imagine it. We all want it. We want the kind of power that would give us the gain that we think we can't live without. We live in a culture that grooms it. But we're a church. That implies that we should should view power with God at the wheel. Does that plug us into a completely different outlet? If you come here regularly, you know that we're on a year-long journey through Brian McLaren's book, We Make the Road by Walking. The story about Peter and John and the healing of the crippled man is found in Acts 3. The first scripture McLaren references in today's chapter is Acts 4, which is the reaction of those in charge to what Peter and John have just set in motion. Because power is setting into motion what God is up to in your life and navigating the reaction. Peter and John set into motion that which God had given them to do. Namely, exercise and articulate God's freeing power through acknowledging Jesus and the resurrection. When they realized they had an audience gathering at the site of this now healed man, Peter reminded those Israelites that though they killed Jesus, they had no idea what they were doing. And God right away raised him from the dead. But now, now it was the time to turn and face God and find out what he's up to in their life. Before the priests, the temple police, and the Sadducees, all part of the church governance, could turn around, 5,000 had come to believe in Jesus. Their reaction? To throw Peter and John in jail overnight, of course. Wonder what prompted that reaction? Fear? Panic? Are they going to lose their power as the current church leadership? So now we pick up the story in Acts 4, beginning with the verse 5. This is in the message translation. The next day a meeting was called in Jerusalem. 
the rulers, religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas the chief priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everyone who was anybody was there. They, they stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? What business do you have healing a crippled man? God forbid. With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man, put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. They couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus. But with the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? They sent them out of the room so they could work out a plan. They talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over town that a miracle has occurred and that they're behind it. There's no way we can refute that. But so that it doesn't go any further, let's silence them with threats (laughs) so they won't dare to use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. They called them back and warned them that they were on no account ever to speak again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back. Whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. The religious leaders renewed their threats, but then released them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. The people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. The man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Do you ever wonder why we try to kill the good stuff? Is there a place in your circle of influence where you're trying to kill the good stuff? Or worse, is there a place in your circle of influence where someone is trying to kill the good stuff that you're doing? Here's a practical and personal example. Just take it with a grain of salt. For a number of years, I refused to eat animals for health reasons. And now more and more for humane and ethical reasons. Like what animal agriculture appears to be doing to our planet. So yes, we can argue. I I know I've heard them all and you've heard my arguments, but I'm going to believe that the, that the research comes down on my side. So that that's where I land. But am I here today to argue for that? Absolutely not. But I believe that long ago I asked God to show me how to age with the least pain the least disease and the most mobility and that he moved me in that direction. So I think that is an example of the power that he set into motion in my life and on a day-to-day basis 
I have to navigate that reaction. It's all about navigating the reaction that you're going to get from others. Peter and John said, whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you have to decide. But as for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. So it sounds like there's a cost. If you're aligned in any way with excavating what God is up to in your life, I'm sorry about that. That's annoying. And if it's me, (laughs) tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm trying to stand as still as I know how. (laughs) That makes you, as McLaren calls it, a co-conspirator with the Spirit of God. So if you're trying to figure out what God wants you to set in motion, you are a co-conspirator with the Spirit of God. And are you sure that's what you want to be? I think to say no, to refuse to step into the lane that is designed exclusively for us by God, is to step away from aliveness. I think there are two things associated when we go look for our aliveness with God. Two things. First one, joy. That's great news. Second one, suffering. And perhaps a lot of it. It's probably not an accident that I'm here today. I only share when Jeff, Matt, and Jody, <laughs> the three trained people, are away as they are this weekend. There, uh, as you heard, Jeff and Jody are at the Wild Goose Festival, and Matt would love to be there, but of course, he's with his family in Alabama. But Jeff and Jody are camping, volunteering, and hearing great speakers because we know that iron sharpens iron. They'll be in the midst of some powerful thinkers who are out to better understand what God is up to in the world. On Sunday, February the 8th, 2015, it was my turn to share. And I told those of you here that day that my son and one of my daughters had written my other daughter, Katie, and myself out of their lives forever. We had the email to prove it. That took seven grandchildren out of my life and seven nieces and nephews out of Katie's. Now, 1,278 days have passed. 1,278. On Wednesday of this past week, that daughter, Jordan, her husband and their children, Miles and Libby, stayed at our house en route to moving from what, from Virginia back to Mississippi. So we, <laughs> and you guys were part of it. Uh, regardless of the details that set us apart, what God knows about my heart is that all I've wanted is aliveness for their dad. The aliveness and freedom that comes from knowing that he's loved unconditionally by God And that he has a forever seat at the table with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people don't know that. In fact, lots of times people don't know that. Sounds like what Liz was trying to say. Maybe she grew up not knowing that. Do you think that was on the mind of the religious leaders who confronted uh, Peter and John? The forever seat at the table is rendered here by Russian artist... Andre Rublev, and is sometimes called the hospitality of the Trinity. You see three figures representing God, 
Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, as well as an empty seat at the bottom. And if you could look closely, you'd see a little square that is evidence that a mirror was once fastened to that spot at the bottom. So that as you gazed at the painting, you would see yourself in that seat. The true power for the journey of life comes from sitting at that seat at the table. Peter and John must have spent a lot of private time allowing themselves to embrace the unconditional love found in their personal seat at the table. Then when they walked toward the temple gate named Beautiful, what did they do? They set into motion what God was up to in their lives on that particular day. And then we heard how they navigated the reaction. But beyond that, how were they careful and thorough at sustaining their connection to what God was up to? What came after they left the temple? So we pick up the story at Acts 4.23. As soon as Peter and John... As soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends and told them what the high priests and religious leaders had said. Hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony of prayer. Strong God, you made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, you spoke through the mouth of your servant and our father David. Why the big noise, nations? Why the mean plots, peoples? Earth's leaders push for position, potentates meet for summit talks, the God deniers, the Messiah defiers. For in fact, they did meet Herod, Pontius Pilate, with nations and peoples, even Israel itself, met in this very city to plot against your holy son, Jesus, the one you made Messiah to carry out the plans that you long ago set into motion. And now they're at it again. Take care of their threats and give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message. As you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. While they were praying, the place they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. Peter and John surrounded themselves with friends who would understand that now was the time to praise God and pray the prayers that would keep aliveness and freedom coursing through their work. While they were praying, the place where they were meeting actually trembled and shook. When we plug ourselves into the genuine God outlet, the Holy Spirit can open up power paths that we never knew existed. So how do we translate that power into our lives today? McLaren, McLaren, in his book, uses the example of a group of normal, happy people dancing in a popular nightclub. Someone yells fire. And those once happy people stampede the exits. Some are trampled and even killed. Were those people heartless killers? Of course not. But they can't, became possessed By a spirit of panic and fear. So what spirits dictate our actions today? Whether we're talking literal, demonic, or satanic spirits. Or just calling them unholy, unhealthy spirits that exist in a person or group of people. The results are the same. These unholy, unhealthy spirits 
drive us to judge and accuse, to spread propaganda and misinformation, or worse, propel us toward theft, death, destruction. But power inspired by the Holy Spirit is vastly different. That power is characterized by compassion, understanding, a boldness to stand up for those being harmed, to speak simple truth, and to spread true aliveness. So remember the crippled man we met in Acts 3? He watched other people, apparently for his entire 40-plus years, enter the temple through the gate named Beautiful while he was somehow paralyzed outside, outside of the temple gates, not free to enter the place where true aliveness lay. Peter and John set into motion freedom for this man loved by God. He had been loved by God his whole 40 years. I think our obligation in this world, if we really understand our own seat at the table, is to set into motion what God is up to in our lives. What he is up to in my life is different than what he is up to in your life. When we find what he is up to by spending minutes and minutes and hours and hours contemplating how loved we are by God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, our companions at the table, then we must learn how to set it into motion and then what? Navigate the reaction. We're warned repeatedly in scripture that there's a reckoning that comes with being bold in God's work. In Matthew 16, Jesus says flat out, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. I think the anthem of power is to be wronged and keep swimming. Church in its harmful state has activated the wrong word. The action word is not sin. The action words are forgiveness, surrender, being unbound in relationship to the action of others. Then we're constantly free. We're free to know that power is peace within self. And that's generated by personal and private time in God's presence. At the table. Then the suffering that comes to us in every shape and size becomes our calling and God's victory. Paul was another of God's ambassadors who described suffering like this in Ephesians 6. And that about wraps it up. God is strong. He wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use. So you'll be able to stand up to everything. The devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life.
God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. Jailbird preacher. There's the jail theme again. Paul spends worlds of time with God to set into motion what God has for him, only to find himself scorned and jailed, perhaps even more so than Peter and John. Power, the kind that we're talking about today, has another angle. If you don't think that's bad enough, it enters into God's timeline of restoration, not yours. It's never what we would choose or even imagine. Long ago, I chose to believe that one God course I was to follow was to ask for freedom and aliveness for my kid's dad. I told God I'd do whatever it took. Had no idea what I was talking about. I told you I waited 1,278 days for restoration with my daughter. It could be another 1,278 days to know restoration with my son, his wife, and his five children. Those five of my grandchildren. His oldest daughter is my oldest grandchild. The last time I saw her, her name is Sela. She was 10 years old. This past May, she turned 14. No end of waiting in sight. Yet, I continue my vigil. Why and how? Because I spend a lot of time at that table in the presence of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I drive them crazy (laughs) a lot with questions and tears. Yet always I come away with a determination to do it their way one more day. I find that God always sends people, like Liz said, to surround us with support and other things to do that help us get to our destination. Or rather, (laughs) not our destination. His destination for us. And every time we let his way prevail. These are the words I want you to leave with. Every time we let his way prevail, we find ways to remain radiant and content. In spite of the suffering that he has chosen as our path. To his accomplishments in the world. We do well to remember that radiant and content are very, very, very powerful words. And they act as constraints on the enemy universe. So will the band join me back on stage? We close with Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. Don't be embarrassed to speak up for my master or for me, his prisoner. Take your share of suffering for the message, along with the rest of us. We can only keep going, after all, by the power of God, who first saved us and then called us to his holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it.
but we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated, life vindicated in a steady blaze of light, all through the work of Jesus. This is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emissary, and teacher. And (laughs) it's the cause of all the trouble I'm in. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. So keep at your work. This faith and love rooted in Christ exactly as I set it out for you. It's as sound as the day you first heard it from me. Guard this precious thing placed in your custody by the Holy Spirit who works in us. Let's pray. God, help us keep warm our seat at the table. We step into the power that is setting into motion what is ours to do. Help us navigate the reaction with inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Help us to find radiant and content each step along the way. Amen.